comes ahead on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and with me is a man who shed many tears with me over last night's qualifier, Logan Stump. Well, we were talking about shedding tears. We're talking about shedding hair. It's just a, it's a, it's a really sad time in our life uh, this year of 2021. It's just not good. No, no, yeah, it hasn't it hasn't been good. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, this team had a lot of we're, we're going to be talking some US men's national team qualifiers, uh, you know, the result on Thursday, the result yesterday, and maybe we'll touch on the MLS stuff that happened, but mostly qualifier talk today as we have these Labor Day pains here. Uh, not the way we wanted to cover this episode. Right, uh, we decided to go live because of the result. I think we would have just done normal <laughs> recording if we were if we had won, right? Uh, but it it uh, it's going to feel kind of cathartic, I guess, getting it out live. I'm sad. <laughs> I'm incredibly. <laughs> I'm still mad too. Like I like I texted you, and I, I know you and I were the same when we were talking about just the fact that we couldn't sleep uh, on nights like this and. It, it, it seems that way with all my sports, and it really sucks because they're all at night. Um, so it, yeah. you, know, you just kind of sit in your own waist and just try to figure out what's going on. But with this, I mean, there's only so much that you can really cover, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess let's go ahead and, and get into it, I guess, right? Uh, we had uh, the first game against El Salvador in El Salvador. Nil-nil result. Uh, I have my notes here from the from the night. Okay, so I do have notes here from the night that I was like, this result not so bad, right? Like, uh, let's not forget El Salvador. You know, pushed Mexico in the Gold Cup. They only lost one nil to to Mexico. Now, of course, that was a neutral field, but Mexico always usually sells pretty good in the U.S. I mean, so does El Salvador, but uh, I'm pretty sure most seats uh, there were were Mexican fans. Uh, this was a road result, and we got the point. Uh, we have not won at El Salvador since 2004, and before that, 1989 when it comes to qualifiers. So, you know, taking one result at a time, the El Salvador one was like, uh, yeah, I was looking a little optimistic. I was, all right, we got the road point. We're good. Um, and, yes, it was a winnable game, but I, I still think... 
it wasn't super winnable in the sense of like the uh, the the chances we had were mostly like half chances. It was like three headers, and that's really the only things that stick out to me. And I think even then, Miles Robinson's header in the first half was probably the best header out of all of them. Like there was one McKenney got that was mm-hmm. off balance and a little too high for him that was probably never going to go in. But yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that. <laughs> that's what we're looking at right is is a nil nil result and we all thought okay that's probably decent it's probably okay not something we wanted but you know with the long slog of a world cup qualifying through concave it's even longer now because of the 14 games instead of 10 you know we thought okay it's fine and we made subs reasonably early in that game 64th minute um in the el salvador match but what was your thoughts on the USA El Salvador? Um, aside from the the early game fireworks and festivities that everybody thought broke people's speakers and stuff because it was awful, um, I think it went on for like five minutes. Like the first five minutes, there was fireworks going on. But I mean, the atmosphere, the fireworks, how hard it is to play there. Um, I, I mean, like you said, I think taking a point again. We we talk about taking a point on the road in Concacaf, especially in qualifying and. That's what this U.S. team did. I, I thought there were times where they could have pulled an advantage out. But, um, again, I think in that kind of match, you're playing in a very hostile environment. Um, it's always bad when you've got, like, the gates, like, the real high fences up, and there's, like, guys with riot shields sitting there because you're never – Protecting the corners, <laughs> yeah. the players on corners. Like... Yeah, you're never going to you're never gonna come out of those situations uh, feeling like you've had an advantage at all in the game because the fans are – just so passionate, uh, especially over there. So it's, you know, but I think taking away a point and then taking away some of the, I guess, the good thing. I mean, I thought Weston McKinney played pretty well, um, which we'll, we'll get into a little bit more of that. So that's fun. But I, I thought that, I thought Conrad played pretty well. Miles Robinson looks like he's going to be a, a number one center back um, in the future. So I think that that's, that's pretty cool and getting to see him play pretty well. Um, I, I thought Yedlin played decent. Um, so overall, I thought it was a pretty decent performance. Uh, again, there were times though that we really miss having that guy that can put one away. And, and I think that's a lot with youth and we'll get into that even more when we get into Canada, cause it's a much bigger topic, I think in that game, um, where you just don't have guys that finish and there's nothing in the middle that's going on. That's effective. Yeah. There's a comment from the final third show. Our friends over there. Yo to you as well. Uh, but, <laughs> Good morning. I, I can't wait to get AJ's thoughts on on uh, today's uh, or yeah. yesterday's results and stuff. So I'll have to listen to their show when that drops. Uh, but ultimately, I think the El Salvador results still okay. I know there's been this push online for people to you know uh, not accept um, <laughs> not, <laughs> not accept the. Uh, you know, the result of um, draws away from home against teams in winnable situations. And the, I, I'll i tell you one thing I don't like. I don't like the push for uh, for the media. You know what I'm saying? Like where they're like the media is not putting the players accountable enough or they're not pushing it enough. What does that even mean? Like we're not asking the right question. We're, <laughs> we're, being, well, we're, we're being too we're being easy. You know, we're being too easy on them and allowing them to get points on the road. But for me, uh, that is just 
that that's just it, right? I mean, like the media is not that's asking questions, and the media asking questions. I don't think changes anything. There was a ton of questions asked uh, at the end of this result mm-hmm. against Canada, and I'm not sure that's going to change anything mentally for the players or anything. Um, I, I, you know, they've all said it's not good enough on both of these games, so they know mm-hmm. that they were going in trying to get nine points, according to Tyler Adams, and I think that's just some uh naivete i guess on you know this inexperienced squad thinking they're going to be able to go and just get nine points and i understand and this is one of my points here throughout the whole show because i had this on my notes from the el salvador game and it meshes with my thoughts on the canada game people keep saying we have to raise our expectations because of the talent on this team and that we're the most talented team the u.s has seen but talent is not everything. You know, experience does matter. And also, uh, you know, how many times do we see in any sport a team that is supposed to be better on paper not have it together because they just don't have the experience or they're just, you know, they can have all the talent in the world and they don't uh, and they don't win. Um, we've played all of our games recently in either Europe or the USA and all these games against CONCACAF opponents in the nations league recently. And in the, um, uh, in, in the gold cup are hosted here in the Mm -hmm. USA. So when they play these CONCACAF teams, they're playing at a home field advantage mostly, or, you know, a facility advantage, whatever you want to call it. All of these young guys have not played uh, qualifiers in El Salvador before, or, you know, where, when they're going to Honduras, like Mm -hmm. we've had John Anthony Brooks and Pulisic who have been part of qualifying and that's it. I mean, Yedlin, yes, but he, you know, has been pretty much relegated to backup or third option on right back second option, I guess right now, but you know, this may be the most talent we've ever had, but it's not all coaching and it's not all, on the players, it's, it's both, you know, uh, as we'll get to with the Canada game, but it's just these players are champions league quality players, not playing up to that standard at all. They're out of ideas. They're not being able to create any chances. Like we said, even in the El Salvador game, it's mostly half chances. Uh, or trying to score a free kick that I'll tell you when, when we have a free kick in the U S for the USA, I never think it's going in. <laughs> I, no. I, I don't think we're dangerous in that regard. No, and, I, and you can kind of go to that quote. It, it's, you know, we're out of time. You know, we're out of ideas. He said it last night when he was being interviewed post-game. And when he was I thought maybe he was it, commenting on our show. He was. Yeah, you guys are out of idea. You didn't test him enough. Um, and obviously it broke down. But no, it uh, when he said that, he paused as if he was – and you could tell he was upset. Like, you could tell that Pulisic was upset because – this is the second time in a row going through this where, I mean, our backs are against the wall. Um, you've got to collect points. It's really hard to collect points on the road. Christian knows that, but I'm not sure the rest of the team, because they haven't been in these situations, haven't felt this. And I think it goes back to what you were saying. Over the summer, when you're playing Gold Cup and you're playing Nations League, it, it's a different kind of environment. You're playing a lot of those games in the U.S. Um, you're also, you know, it's not a make or break. It's a nice competition to win, but it's not like if you lose those games that the pressure's on for Greg or the team. Whereas now I think there's got to be some kind of feeling of, Oh no, this is what happened last time. And it's happening again. 
and the same kind of format. I mean, it, it's this idea where we can't score. Um, we seem to defend well enough to be a good enough team to compete, obviously. Um, and, and I think that the defense was actually our biggest concern. If you go all the way back to probably our previous show, I think you and I talked about the fact that we've got a hole at a couple of like a right back and, and trying to find a good right back to play in that position. And does Des play left or right? I mean, we were trying to figure that out. We are trying to figure out who's going to place in next to JV. And I think they found that answer pretty quickly. Um, and they've got really good options with Mark McKenzie and, and Zimmerman on the bench. So I think those are really solid. Chris Richards is even with the team. Um, so I think the defense has plenty of options and guys that are stepping up like a Miles Robinson, like an Anthony Robinson who played well last night. Um, I think you've got guys in the defense that step up. Now, the, the one point where we really thought there was a headache, it's proven to be the one headache that they can't seem to fall, solve. And I don't know, where do you go for that? I mean, do you go to a Daryl DK who is not experienced in this? Do you rely on an 18-year-old kid who's in good form in MLS to come in and try to fit into the mold? Um, does PFOC really fit the kind of system that Greg wants? And, and is he good enough to create? Are the wings good enough to create? Because Pulisic has been non-existent. Uh, Brendan Aronson probably has been our best player over the last two games. So I think that, you know, in the attack at least, where he's put in good time. And, and I, you know, it it really just depends. And, and then you're trying to play positions or players out of positions. Um, and it's just not going well. Yeah, players out of position, uh, late subs. You know, so it was players out of position in the first game. Uh, you know, the second game didn't really have any players mm -hmm. out of position, but we had no substitutes until the 82nd minute. Yeah. So let's go to Canada game. Because uh, I think this is the more egregious one. And it's not a – I wouldn't. I saw a lot of people say it's a embarrassment. I wouldn't even say mm -hmm. it. Canada has been very good. Um, I saw some people blaming MLS for this somehow. Uh, we didn't have that many MLS players on the pitch. <laughs> and actually, Canada had more than us, I think. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, I don't get it. It's like the thing people result, uh, resort to, I guess, uh, right away. But um, – you know, we if people are going to say that the MLS players are not up to snuff, then these Champions League players have got to do something. Uh, the goal that we give up here, I was going to try to go in order, but I just got to mention it. John Anthony Brooks gets beat. He does. He's jogging back. He's not running. He loses his guy. Uh, and Kyle Lahren is just there to tap it in. Uh, that shouldn't happen when you play for a Champions League team and you're Wolfsburg in a Bundesliga side. Uh, what are you doing? Uh, look, people were really torching Yedlin on that for getting torched by um, Alfonso. By Alfonso Davies. That's going to happen. Alfonso Davies is like the, one of the best players <laughs> in the world at this point. Best player in CONCACAF, whatever you want to say. Uh, so you have to expect that to happen, but you have to then ha make sure there's nobody for him to get the ball into, and Brooks mm -hmm. doesn't do that. He just stands there and he's watching the ball. Yeah, and Alfonso's not going to create from on that. I mean, he's not going to score on that side. Um, so you're looking for him to swing one in. And like you said, uh, Anthony Brooks, it, it, like he, he stops right where he thinks, uh, I think, Davies is so that he can't play anybody on side. But then there's clearly – I mean, he's far enough down the pitch where he's playing them on side. Like he's not quite with Davies. He's kind of playing right in front. And then he just looks at the ball like, oh, that's not good, um, as it crosses the front of goal. So it's it, – it, it was just horrible defending. Like you said, Davies, um, and we can talk about this a ton, but Davies is so good. He's so fast. He ran through Des a couple times. Uh, Des can't defend him. 
he can't defend no. anyone. Um, he plays for a team that never has to worry about it. You know, like he, he's playing for Barcelona where he's supposed to go forward and attack. And this has always right. been my complaint about uh, – call me an old man or whatever, but I got, I got these complaints about attacking fullbacks yeah. where they don't know how to defend. And then when you actually need them to defend – we talked about it with Des before because, uh, you know, Barcelona pulled him uh, – or Barcelona fans were giving him crap last year it was, I think, yeah, in a game where he wasn't doing well at defense and they had to sub him out for a better defender right back. And her like – well, that's his job. He's mm-hmm. a right back. That's your job. And I get it. Some, you know, soccer can change. Formations can change. And now people use these right backs and left backs to try to get more people playing and overlapping runs and all that kind of stuff. But y- you have to be able to also defend. Like, I don't understand why these players like Dest uh, or any attacking right back that starts out, you know, attacking now. Uh, why they don't learn the defense first and then just start throwing in their speed as a second thing. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's like it's almost like they just convert wingers to right back and they're like, well, it doesn't matter. Like, you're doing the same thing. But when it comes time to defend, they can't. Right. I mean, and I mean, I think it does it better if we talk about Canada some here, because I think Canada played extremely well. Um, I thought Richie Larea looked really good. I thought Mark Anthony Kay looked really, really good. Um, Alfonso Davies is just so threatening when he goes flying up the side. Um, Kyle Laren, again, he, he's a very serviceable number nine. Um, Alistair Johnson played well. It, it, it's a matter of Canada having a better side than I think people thought. I think people thought they were kind of just a little bit behind as far as development, the United States, but I think they're different in the way that they have Alfonso Davies and he's a game changer where if you're looking at the United States teams, I guess the the team, I I think the only player on that roster that has that capability is Pulisic. And I don't know if he's quite fit to, to do that. And he, there's times where he just disappears where he's not that threatening and it, and that showed, I mean, he doesn't have anybody to put the ball into um, and, and that takes away his effectiveness sometimes. But there were times last night where he got out on the wing and he, he didn't come inside to, to try to create something in the middle and break the line. But it, it shows because they just don't have anybody to get on the end of those plays. But I mean, Canada, they were waiting back. They put five in the back, more often than not. And they basically lured the United States. If you look at the possession, possession was something crazy. Um, it was like 72 for the United States, I think. So um, if you're looking at possession, you're looking at the way that Canada lined up. Canada's saying, I'm going to put five back here. And if you can break us, then break us. But the United States, the, the United States can't. It kind of reminded me of what Tuchel did to, to City. Um, if you're just going to sit out here and not create, we'll just put five back here and we'll just kind of hold you into this pattern where you're in the midfield trying to pass and you can't really create anything past us in the back and over the top because we're not going to give anything up. Um, and I felt like that's what Canada did and they did it really well and nobody created. I mean, it was really hard to get anything created um, back on that back five or whatever they had where those two wing backs would come back and kind of sit back too. Um, so they had basically everybody defending and the United States can't do anything. Canada finally has a manager. I mean, they have a manager yeah. that, that goes in with game plans. They know what they're doing, and they just executed that flawlessly. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, they did have a drop of points at home as well, so I know you know, they have probably think that they could have gotten 
six points out of these two games and end up with two. So I think they're a little frustrated as well. Mm -hmm. But to get a draw in the USA uh, for them is is pretty good. But, I mean, we're, we're actually lucky we got a draw. Yeah. Uh, after how well they're playing. Yeah. And if maybe if Alfonso Davies doesn't have to leave the pitch, maybe they get a win. We were definitely on our back heels in the last 20 minutes. Like, yeah. I, it definitely felt after he gets that goal, it definitely started to feel like he was getting more involved. And that's terrifying because he's one of those guys that can just create at will. Um, and he was, and it was getting guys open in the middle of the box. And and it was, there's a couple of times where they kind of rattled around and were finding guys. And luckily I think Yedlin got on the end of one and then Sebastian Chet somehow found one um, rattling around where he kind of stopped somebody from kicking it right outside the box. Um, but it, it does, it seems that the United States really got lucky just because the momentum was definitely shifted until Davies got hurt. Then it kind of felt like it was an even match again. All right, let's get into a little bit more here. Uh, some of my frustrations with it is, uh, this is going to sound like a rant, I guess. Okay. Uh, where was the fight in this? Where was the urgency? You know, there was times where we had, what, like two minutes of stoppage time left, and we're making passes to the center backs, back mm -hmm. to the center back, back to the next center back, back to the next center back, and you're like, we have to go forward. You know, the 90 minutes is up. You got to start just putting the ball in there. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when it's that late in the game, because Canada was so well organized, you're not going to break them down by just doing lateral passes with two minutes left of the game. Like it's just not going to happen. And I felt like there was no fight in the, these players. Like, uh, you know, one thing I read as well that I think is, is, true is i saw somebody comment on twitter i don't know who it was so i can't credit them but you know pretty much saying that they need to you know not that we're soft right but like these players from europe are getting fouled and they're expecting these calls to be made like they would in europe and they're not going to be and you have to know that you have to act like each each time you're fouled get right back up because they're not calling it for you, you know, is how I think we have to start playing and just start playing as if uh, we're not going to get calls because yeah. most of the time we're not going to get the calls. So, and I don't know if it's just hard to switch on and switch off from like how you play in Europe to when you go to CONCACAF, but I feel mm -hmm. like if I was a player and I'm, I'm not, but if I was a player, it'd be almost like, okay, almost the same way you have different tactics for who you're playing against. It's like, okay, I'm playing in Europe now. So this is how a game might get called. And now I have to play in CONCACAF where I know I'm not getting any calls. So I know I have to hop back up. I have to do all this almost like, you know, baseball players talk about all the time, but like if there's a certain ump, they know if the strike yeah. zone is going to be wider yeah. or taller or shorter, you know? And I feel like that's how we have to start looking at it. When we know we have CONCACAF refs to when we have European refs, how this game's going to be called because that is something I think that we're lacking. Um, I don't know if that's a player thing or a coach thing or, or what, but I feel like there's got to be some sort of drive to know we can get a little conca Kathy as well. And we don't mm -hmm. need to, uh, you know, we're not going to get calls a lot of the time, or if we get calls, especially with VAR, there's no VAR right now in this qualifying. So yeah. no, you know, just, you're not going to get the call. They're not going to look at it. Just get up and continue seeing out what you're doing. 
Yeah, and I think the one call that was I, – I don't even think it was worth a call was the Josh Sargent one. He's running across, and I thought the guy got the ball, and he kind of just flops like he would in England, and luckily he got it because uh, he was going away. It was a real nice cut, and I, but I don't think he got fouled on it. And, and, you know, I think there's points where they look as if they're, like you said, looking for it. Um, but, again, I, it was hard to tell because they always they're always playing on the wing. I mean, they're playing so wide. Uh, I saw a comment on Twitter too. It was almost like the United States, if they moved the goals to the side <laughs> of the pitch, we would be really good because that's where most of the ball was. <laughs> and then I'm yeah. thinking about it and I'm like, Leggett was the only one consistently going into the middle and then getting caught up with the ball and then the ball would get loose. But he was the only one that was like physically, him and Brennan Aronson. Aronson yeah, did yeah. Well, Aronson did too. Because there was a point where I texted you and I was like, Aronson just gets in the middle and he has the ball but he's got nowhere to go with it. And he's looking around going, okay, I need help. But Pulisic isn't going to provide it. And there's, there's PFOC. <laughs> no space creation. No, there's and not. what happens is a lot of these players, for whatever reason, are deciding that they're going to just dribble, right? Like yeah. Aronson's been guilty of it. Um, Pulisic is guilty of it for sure. Dest has been guilty of it. Where they just get the ball and they think, I'm going to take on three players by myself right now. Because nothing else is working, I feel like is what they're yeah. is what they're trying to do, and nothing happens. They maybe get fouled. Pulisic maybe gets fouled at the edge of the box, but we don't. Yeah. We're never going to score that. We don't have anybody that's going to put in a set piece, uh, especially if it's right outside the box. I don't have any faith. Now, if it's further yeah. outside the box where we can maybe get it to a center back to head it in, then that's probably better. But I don't know. I, another thing with me too is why are there subs in the eighty second minute? when there's three games in seven days yeah we played on thursday we played on sunday we play on wednesday that's actually like six days right like Mm. seven days and the first game we made subs timely 64th minute this game even the commentators are saying how how slow our players are looking Mm -hmm. how out of gas they're looking in the 60th minute they're talking about this and we wait another 20 minutes to make the substitute. If we would have lost this game, it would have been on the substitutions because right. you cannot expect to look, they started prepping these subs in like the 78th, 79th minute, I think. But by the time the ball gets out of play for them to come in, it's 82nd, mm-hmm. 83rd minute. Then they get in and have to get a feel of the game. And then they have to actually try to get touches. And then they have to try to influence themselves. Rodon came in and immediately tried to make a good pass that then gets caught up and lost after he try, does. And after that, we end up um, like what they bring in. Uh, they bring in um, uh, Conrad, and he barely touches the ball. Right. Like I, I think there's only like two instances off the top of my head without rewatching it that I can remember Conrad touching the ball, and he does nothing with it because mm. he was actually more like almost right central of the field. Like he wasn't on like a wing where he would usually be able to get that space. He was getting it off a throw in. I think it was It's the time I remember McKinney role. Like it looked like the West McKinney where he kind of sits back in the midfield and that's not what he does. (laughs) So it's not, but also it's going to be effective. Yeah. We we need to, we need to be able to save the legs that were out there for Wednesday as well, because uh Pulisic like you said we don't know if he's going to be able to go he's not going to be able to go 90 I don't think on no. Wednesday right like Especially he had COVID, a 10 he had a 10 day layoff yeah. due to COVID it doesn't seem like he had any symptoms 
but he wasn't training that whole time because he was forced into isolation with the UK rules. So then he comes over here and has to almost start over from scratch of training, doesn't go to El Salvador, comes back, and they didn't know if he would be able to play yesterday, but he did. And he went 90. Um, okay, next thing I have here is, did we buy into our own hype? And by we, I mean the players, by the USA here. Uh, Alexi brought up some good points, as much as people dislike Alexi Lawless. Um, we, the, these young players have had everything given to them. They've had, they're playing in world-class facilities in Europe, or they're getting good facilities in MLS that are up and coming. And they are not cutting it. Tyler Adams said they expect nine points this window. They didn't get it. That's naive, I think. Uh, and I also think that maybe they thought that they would just get the nine points. That there'd be no issue. And there is an issue. We're, we're Like we said, we're not able to get any sort of uh, uh, chances created. They're just making passes and not doing anything with it. And I think part of that is Burhalter because... It's very reminiscent of when we had the Gold Cup team, which is different players and other teams, but different players where they're just, you know, sometimes there's no urgency. And I don't understand why. Um, let's talk Let's talk Weston McKinney then. Because he apparently broke protocols. Some rumor going around online, by the way. Somebody just shared this. They think that as he was walking in somewhere or in El Salvador, he was maskless and signing autographs. I don't know if that's it. I don't know if that is, I don't know if that would be enough to get him no. benched. I think he really broke some protocols. It's not like Berhalter alluded more to a curfew type of thing. And if that's the case, Weston McKinney needs to grow up. Uh, let's not forget. He broke protocols in Italy and threw a party. Mm-hmm. During COVID, it was a birthday party, wasn't it? Something like that, yeah. yeah. And today, uh, yesterday, he missed the game due to the breaking protocol. Mm-hmm. People had him pinned in as a captain. I think that's clear. He's not. He's just the goofy, the goofy guy. He's the sideshow. And if he wants to be, because Greg said he may not even be able to play Wednesday. And the only thing I can think of is if you did break curfew and they're worried about him coming back positive with COVID, they do not want him near the team. Near yeah. the team. Uh, yes, he showed remorse on his Instagram. He did the same thing when he did it in Italy. Is this a learning? Like, does he actually learn this time or not? Because I'm not going to go as far as to say what other people said, that if he's playing, we win the game, because I don't think it's true. I don't no. think this team creates enough goals to to, to beat this team uh, with Weston McKinney in there. But I don't know. Uh, what's your thoughts on McKinney? Because it seems like this might become a, a, a problem, and he might work his way out of the U.S. team. Inexcusable, unacceptable, immature. I mean, you could go on and on. Um, you're selfish. Uh, you, you have a priority. You have a responsibility to your teammates. Like this has nothing to do with Greg. So I hate it when people say, well, this is going to cause a big problem between he, it's not between he and Greg. Like this is, this is Greg punishing him because the players can't really like, Well, and but too, if you make protocols and you don't yes. enforce them, then nobody's yeah. going to follow them. So right. you have to, it's not yeah. like, it, it's not like you can just ignore it. 
Right. And it goes back to that, like the ethics of uh, you can't, you can't just give a, one player uh, an exception because he's a star player. Uh, and I think that that is a mentality that he has. Uh, I think that he believed that he could go out of his way to break these protocols and wouldn't get punished for it. And he did. And, and I think that that, it just shows you like, it's, what is it? It's like 10 days, 12 days, just calm down, <laughs> do what you need to do. Don't break the rules. Don't be stupid and just play soccer. You can go do whatever you want when you get back over to England, because they, I mean, I think they've got, rest- or, sorry, in Italy where they have restrictions that are lighter. Um, and I think that, you know, he, he did, he took it selfishly upon himself to go have fun and, and, now he's paying for it. And now the whole team suffers because of it. Do I think they would have won? No. Like you said, I this team goes far beyond the Weston McKinney could have changed his game because he's not changed any game that I've ever seen. So, no, he, he doesn't have that changing the game abilities yet. And it, this team was already going to struggle with him. Um, so without him. But then it's a distraction, too. Like I've played sports, and when something happens and your teammate's suspended – it's more of a distraction just because you're curious about the situation because oftentimes this is handled between player and coach and you're kind of going, dude, what the heck? Um, and then it gets to a point where uh, I, I think it's distracting for the team because the team's showing up and now somebody has to slot in. And unfortunately it was Kellen Acosta who, while he played well in, in gold cup, I, he's not a creative midfielder by any stretch of the means. I mean, there's times where he gets it and goes, okay, I don't really know what to do with this. Um, where Matt Weston's a much more attack-minded player, but I it it is it's, it's selfish. That's the best word I can come up with for for Weston. Selfish to to not think about the the repercussions that it has on your team. Then we had a breakaway that was called back because of Tyler Adams deciding to hockey check somebody. Uh, he started the breakaway and then he immediately the ends it with that. Yeah. Why? I, I want I to see know. fight, but yeah. I don't want to see that because yeah. that yeah. was that was pointless. That hurt us. Immaturity. It's 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 the youth. Like it. While I know that we expect them to do good things, and you're like, okay, this is a top talent. They're still so young, and mm-hmm. and part of the and I I like what the actually I think Kellen said it um, best. Uh, he talks about the idea that like this is still a young team, and while we're learning it it's still a very young team in the way that we're disciplined. So like creating when nothing is able to be created is something of an experienced player, right? So like a Kevin De Bruyne or you're looking at like a Kai Havertz or somebody like that, like that's experience, like having the experience to kind of look around and go, okay, here's what's happening. Nothing's being created. I can create here and here. Um, I'm going to pick out my chances and break lines. I'm going to break down the defense by myself we don't really have that. Like Christian's the only one. I'll tell you who, who does have it. And he's not with the team. I think Matthew Hoppy is a CONCACAF style player. He's ready. He's gritty. He's just mean. Like he, he's a mean mug. <laughs> he will kill you. I think uh, if you give him the chance uh, and just go back and watch the games, he's got that grit to where he's going to make himself open and he's going to break lines. And, and he shoots. Yes. He actually shoots the ball. Right. Right. And sometimes he gives the ball away, but you take that with a young player. That's what you want. You don't want like the, and Brendan does it too. Brendan is very good. He's very gritty. He likes to get in there and kind of tassel with people. Christian's not like that. Christian, he can be at times, but then there's times where he's more of a finesse and that works really well in Europe. Like he works very, very well in Europe, which if we do get to a world cup against a European team, I actually think he'll be better when 
he's playing against those kind of teams than he is with these teams that try to smash in the face because I don't think he's got quite that grit, that hoppy, that I think Sargent has it too. I, he just doesn't have the running ability uh, to get in good runs. But um, And then I, I think of Brendan Aronson. I think that's the kind of grit you need. Whereas like Weston and Christian, and that's much more of a European style like you were talking about. The Tyler Adams thing is just an immature thing. Like they do very immature things when they're out there. They do things that are silly. I think, who was it that took a free kick and kicked it about, I think it was Acosta. He kicks it and it goes about halfway up into the bleachers. Mm-hmm. And they're like, that's just not, that's not smart. Like, that's just not, give your, give your chance, give a team a chance. Give a team a chance. Yeah. Whip it into the box. We right. don't have to score off of right. a 30 yard, <laughs> 30 yard shot. Right. And I think like the, the biggest thing too, is that when you saw chances being created, it was because like Anthony Robinson created that chance because he just mm-hmm. whips the mm-hmm. ball in and Brendan's there. Canada wasn't going to defend very well. You could see it. There was another time too. I think it might have been Miles Robinson or Christian that puts one in and it rattles around and Josh almost got to it. Yeah, yeah. Like it was like falling around in the because Canada wasn't. They're not able to deal with it because their defense is probably their weakest link. That that center and I think that that's where the United States just they wouldn't attack it. It was like they were afraid of it. Um, yeah, but it's all it's, ball. Yeah, that's all we were doing. Yeah. It's immaturity. It it's an experience. Yeah. Um, four years ago, uh, U.S. men fans uh, blamed U.S. soccer for hosting a game, I guess, against – I forget who it was against, El Salvador, I think, or Honduras, in New York because uh, we lost or drew that match, and it was um, something that prevented us from qualifying. A lot of people, uh, you know, kind of think. But they were saying that it felt too much like an away game and stuff. Okay, no excuses here. Uh, we had 43,000 people in Nashville <laughs> uh, chanting and willing the players on that just looked lifeless at mm. times. I, I saw some people complaining about the way it came across on TV, but um, people that were actually there said it was really loud, and I could hear them on my TV yeah. chanting the USA chant, chanting, you know, I believe that we will win, which unfortunately they were wrong, and, uh, you know, doing all kinds of things. So for me, I felt like the atmosphere was great. People that were actually there said it was great. So I don't know if it's just something on the Fox broadcast made it feel not that way. Um, but it comes down to this. We cannot, I repeat, cannot miss another world cup. So we got to fix it and we got to fix it now. So I ask you, if we lose in Honduras, is Greg Berhalter gone? Yeah. Yeah, if you lose in Honduras and we go out of this first window, we have time to catch up. It's hard. It will be hard, but it's not unheard of. I, I think six out of the eight teams have dropped points at home. So that 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 wasn't a big deal to me. And honestly, I think Canada does qualify uh, with how good they looked. Um, I think they look really good. I think they're coming in the form. Um, I think that they easily push for one of the four spots to try to qualify the first three qualifying or maybe that fourth spot to go play a playoff and try to qualify. I think that Canada has like that grit and that coach that urges them on. Like last, last night, Jordan, when they fell behind and Alfonso came out in that second half, that was urgency. Like you, you tweeted about it and you talked about it now it's urgency. It it was like, and you could see that coach was just like fired up. Now, Greg, like while he is good at recruiting, while I do think the players like him, there's times where I'm like, why isn't he like mad? Like, why isn't he 
Uh, he just sits. Yeah, he does the Frank thing, and it. Really yeah, and that's what I was gonna say. It's very Lampard esque, right? <laughs> yes. Where he's just gonna sit there and take his yeah. notes or just watch, and uh, that's what Lampard did. And it, you know, there's sometimes he got frustrated. He got really frustrated at Reyna on the yes. El Salvador game because yeah. he misplayed a ball mm-hmm. uh, near the end of the game, and he was very upset with that. And I liked seeing that more uh, than than what we kind of saw in this game. Um, because uh, it, it's just um, I, I don't even know what to what to say about it. He already has said now that he should have probably pulled the subs earlier, but that's that's not good enough for now. Uh, that already happened, right? Mm-hmm. So now we have to go into Honduras. It's a away game. Uh, let, let me look at our record here against El Salvador. I mean, against Honduras in qualifiers um 2015 to 2017 in the fifth round we had uh lost to uh, we drew with honduras in uh in the fifth round we beat them at home six nothing uh but away from home was one one uh at home in 2011 to 2013 qualifiers we beat them home we lose to them away in 2013. We beat them away in 2008 and some, uh, 2008 or 2009. We beat them at home, lose to them at home in 2000, 2001. Beat them away in 2000, 2001. I mean, so we usually... It's going to be tough to even get a point uh, from Honduras. Yeah, it's not impossible. We've done points a lot of times. We don't lose there too much. But uh, let's see. The last time we lost in Honduras was the 2013, and we qualified for 2014. But you know, when you already have just two points, if we look at these the standings, let me share this quick here okay we have uh, Mexico in first with six points Panama in second with four points they're the only two uh, teams to win a game Mm -hmm. then we have uh, Canada in third with two points Honduras in fourth with two points US in fifth with two points El Salvador in sixth with two points so we're still there Right, it's not panic time. No, uh, yeah. yet uh, it's as close to panic time. I think we can get until well, maybe Wednesday if we lose. I was but gonna say Wednesday would be panic if you lose. Lose day is uh, Wednesday is panicking panicking time if we lose, and uh, if we don't fire Greg, then when do you? When do you? Because if you <laughs> right. don't. So here's the thing, because if you wait until after six games, which is October's window, you're already almost halfway through qualifying Mm -hmm. because of how truncated it all is this time, right? And if you fire him in the middle of one of those three games in October, you have to find somebody that's going to be able to step in within the week. These games are within a week time span each window. So... Who would be able to step up in that quick of time? I actually don't know who we would even be able to get if we fired him. We wouldn't want a repeat of Bruce Arena, even though how well he's been doing at Revs, because that failed last time. 
who would we even get? Well, that's what I was thinking about. I was like, okay. Marsh so is not leaving right. Leipzig right now. Right. He's not going to. I mean, if you're looking at it, like all the guys that you would want, honestly, I think would be in MLS, but you're not going to get them until they're done. Um, and you can't you can't get a foreign coach, right. I don't think, right now if you're yeah. going to do it because they're only going to have maybe three weeks to evaluate the That's pool if they're, not, if they're not used to the pool. It would have to be a foreign oh, coach that is already familiar with the U.S. pool. <laughs> Could you imagine if they gave the team to Jason Christ? <laughs> it would be like, oh, no. There's no oh, way you no, can no. after the U23s, but you never know, right? Should I mean, be the only out? Like, unless they have somebody internally that we just don't know, like – there might be somebody on the inside that, that would do it. I mean, at this point, like if we lose on Wednesday at this point, I'm, I'm looking at, and this is going to sound funny because I'm looking at like a Landon Donovan going, Hey, can you just like, just come in. And- can you leave San Diego <laughs> right. uh, just- and coach this team, please? Because and, and if nobody listened like, to his podcast with oh, Grant Patrick wall Dempsey. about El Salvador, right. That was really good. He's so Grant Wall is having a, on his podcast uh, Landon Donovan after each qualifier, and you know, I know he wasn't that great on TV, Landon on on Fox as an analyst, but he was really good on the podcast and really explained kind of what it's like to go to El Salvador away. And I want to hear his thoughts about this game too. But I think you know we're kind of at this point where the you know obviously it's not as easy as it once was. Um, Canada has not qualified since 86. This is the furthest they've gotten in a while. And they're looking like a pretty good team that can qualify for a world cup. The, and you know why? Cause of MLS, honestly, Alfonso Davies was, you know, an MLS product. Uh, Mark Anthony K has been very good. Um, you know, they're creating players, uh, Kyle Laren, uh, they're creating players uh, through the Canada MLS teams and then getting drafted or going to the colleges in MLS and then in, in USA and then getting drafted to MLS. And it is helping teams like Canada. Uh, Honduras has players over here. Jamaica has players over here. Uh, it's helping all of these teams that are not us. I mean, it helps us as well. You know, like Brendan Aronson really came up through you know, MLS and some of these players have, but it's now catching everybody else up in the region. And that's kind of the give and take you have to deal with when you have a, when you have a league in the USA, because, you know, you're not always just going to have a team full of Americans, right? You're not going to have like the Philadelphia union just put out Americans. They're going to get players from all over the world and they're going to help bring in players that uh, like Andre Blake or Corey Burke, you know, players that are going to be able to come up and help Jamaica now are getting game time against really good teams in MLS, and it's making them better. It makes Jamaica better, and you know, it's it's doing the same thing for Canada. Uh, they're finally getting the fruit of the tree, you know, that it, they've kind of planted uh, when they started having MLS teams in Canada. So it was inevitable, but when your players are now over in Europe all the time, they they should still be beating these MLS or USL teams of players that are on the field, but they're not part of it is the coaching and the tactics. But I think part of it is the players. Look, when we, you can't really say much about the Nashville game, but when we're looking at the like El Salvador game, 
and you have players like Brooks who had to miss it because of the long flights, or you have not just the referee situation that we were talking about, like how do you adapt to a game in CONCACAF, but also the facility style. Mm-hmm. If they're playing on all these pristine fields over in Europe and they get all these great facilities, then they come over here and have to deal with that. It can throw them off more than when we had teams of MLS players on the men's team where they're playing in like Soldier Field uh, or stadiums that were not MLS uh, soccer specific. And for them, they probably didn't have great facilities as a like third team in a stadium that wasn't theirs. So they weren't as thrown off by those facilities when they go to El Salvador or Honduras. And now, now they're playing on the best fields ever, Stamford Bridge <laughs> and yeah. these you know beautiful fields over there that have everything. And then they come over here and don't, and they get bags of urine thrown at them, or they get, you know, stuff thrown at them that they're not used to. And I think that's something that is the adjustment that has to be made as well. That's the experience they still have to get. And we've missed this whole generation. There was a generation of players that just never came in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Breck Shea generation, I call it, where they mm-hmm. were promising and then never developed and, you know, uh, are now gone. Like, Breck Shea is not good enough to be on the men's team. And his whole generation worth of players that would bridge the. Landon Donovan, Dempsey, Michael Bradley, Altador generation to this new generation is not there. Now we're left with John Anthony Brooks and Pulisic as the only ones having experience. And they're all so young, like you said. Sorry, my cats are attacking each other. That's okay. Hold on. There we go. All right. Magic of live podcasting. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but no, I, I like you said, I not having the experience of those guys in around because you had like when you had younger guys, like when Yedlin was young, right? I can remember back to that World Cup team when he was there, Julian Green. I mean, those kind of guys, but they've disappeared because, like you said, I, I, I think the development isn't there in the United States men's team for a while. And I think that that's part of the issue. Now I think we got into the issue where, like, I like Greg. And do I think Greg can do a good job? Yeah, but I, I don't know. Is he really the one that you want at the helm? Um, I, it, it just really sucks because you wouldn't want to fire a manager in the middle of qualifying and then kind of tear it down and find somebody else. I don't know who you're going to find anyway. Like, I, I just don't think there's enough out there. Um, maybe Conte wants to coach here. But um, uh, but that's the thing. He wouldn't know anything about <laughs> right. these players. No he would have no time. Region, he'd have so, no time. Yeah. yeah, he'd have no time. So who do you go to? Like, you have to go to one of your formers, maybe? I don't know. Like, I don't know who you go to. And that's what we tried last time. Yeah. You turn to Jurgen and go, hey, you free? Um, oh, no. no, no, no. <laughs> so you know who, what this team reminds me of? It reminds me of a Jurgen team. He would get does. no difference. Yeah. He would get no yeah. difference if yeah. you put Jurgen Klinsmann coaching. But I don't know. Uh, Chris Armis is free. <laughs> So I have no idea. Like maybe just throw on a full press and play back five. And- <laughs> Let's do it. Get get, get uh, Brendan going and get Chris Armis in here. Brendan oh does the goodness. system, but um, like you said, I, I just don't. I don't think that there's any way around this. I think that that you're stuck with Beralter if he is going to manage. He's going to manage through this window. Uh, I, I would hope they wouldn't give it to somebody like Jason Christ or somebody like that. Or Josh Wolf, he's been an assistant, but he hasn't proved anything in Austin. Yeah, they fired uh, U.S. Men's. Yeah. 
to become a U.S. men's manager. I mean, yeah. really, you'd be looking at, look, 2026, maybe Jesse Marsh is the coach, and I think that would work out well. Or a Jim Curtin or I, I still don't know if Jim's good enough for this level. I mean, he – Do you think I, Oscar would ever – That's who I wanted. That's or who Peter I wanted. Vermees, like – Vermees would be good. Yeah. We'd at least – we would at least – have the grit <laughs> we would we would i mean he is yeah. somebody you don't want to piss off and yeah. he would be pissed off <laughs> on the sideline it, peter Vermees would be great and you know what I, th- I think Vermees is the only one i could see actually filling in if burholter had to go because I, I think i think with the with the they can still coach their club team can't they because they're all like it fifa lets us but no yeah. i don't know i, I don't know because could could you do something if you're Vermees where you say to SKC like I'm gonna leave and I'm gonna come back right after qualifying? Yeah. Or is it at that point we'd want him for the World Cup too if he qualified us, yeah, right? And, so yeah. so he, he might have to leave, but I I would take Vermees over Burhalter. I would take him. I, I wanted him over Burhalter originally. I think you take well. him over a lot of people. Like but, Peter Vermees is really good coach just for the fire he would bring on the sideline i think that could really help this team and a young team like he's used to having younger players that he yeah. can control like a busio like i think weston mckinney would benefit from a peter vermis uh lashing like i think that like peter coming in and stepping in and doing that i think oscar pareja would be really good i think if, if a jim Kerr, i think jim's gonna go europe and then have interest in an in international maybe because i think and we'll jim, see like, but again, Jim signs up for another couple of years in Philly and he likes being where he is and um, just unbelievable style as it is. But uh, Caleb Porter's going to be free soon if you really want to mess with that. Uh, Bob Bradley's going to be free, I think, if you want to talk to him and say, hey, you know, LAFC is not going so well. Do you want I to take Bob coach? over Burholter yeah. anyway? I, I know people didn't like Bob at yeah. times and I called for Bob to get fired and I wanted Klinsman and that failed. Uh, but, right. yeah. but, you know, Bob's team, you know, got to the Con- Confederations Cup so final in 2009. Yeah. They they had the grit. They had the the run through a brick wall mentality. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's missing. That is what's missing. Yeah. Greg Vanny's been thrown out there. So, like, you've got options if if you can't. Now, I, I if I had to pick, like you said, I think it would be Peter Vermees now that I think of the list. I think he would be. If I was going to grab somebody and have them coach, who I think even a team like and a quick turnaround too, yeah. he's the best option I think. Yeah, but again, it would be can he do that with MLS? You know, concurrently go with MLS, and they are. I think their next window is October. Yeah, like and so like you would only be you'd be right up against playoffs, so then you would miss him. So I think SKC would have an issue with it, but. Um, your other next bet is to pluck off somebody that's either going to get fired from their MLS team, is fired from or their an MLS assistant team, somewhere, and that's or an not what you want. Academies or like maybe their academy coaches have. I know there was one that they were really high on, but again, do you really want an academy coach stepping right up into the big leagues with that? No, system? probably not. Right. So Jason Christ would be ultimate. I think he would just be your next in line because I think he would be the only one. I don't. I don't think. No, I don't think they would even touch him. And I hope not. <laughs> I would rather Greg have Greg I'd rather have Greg Berhalter. Yeah. Even if we lose to Honduras, than right. going to get Jason Christ because Jason hey. Christ already failed at the at the his chance of qualifying. Yeah. Clint Clint is free. Clint is not doing anything. Timmy yeah, Howard think, is at NBC. Like, let's I don't just think grab. any of those are Player coaches. Coach. 
I don't think any of no, those I don't are. Think so either. Are I'm, just, I'm just trying to come up with options because I don't think I think the pickings would be somebody internally. Like we get Dax. Yeah, Dax McCarty would be great. Uh, Jamie <laughs> um, Watson. Dwellman has responded to the McKenney getting off the bus without a mask and stopping for autographs. Dwellman says that is not the reason. So Dwellman's pretty tapped in. I, I would say that he would know better than some account speculating on that being the reason for Weston missing the game. Um, so Dwellman said that isn't that isn't the the reason why. So I think we have to take that and kind of throw it in the trash then um so like uh, like the the big issues i mean uh, obviously the cohesiveness like the cohesiveness was a big issue which i mean okay think about it the cohesiveness is a big issue the players seem to be playing on their own individual levels like they, they want to do individual things and they're not mm-hmm. playing as a unit like i'm not saying they're selfish but I, they're not they're not figuring out what you're sport. saying they're not playing like a team they're yeah. playing like yeah. a collection of people right really talented individuals and yeah. then i think you've got that combined with the issues of like the sub issue is a big thing like that 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 is a huge thing if if i'm a soccer coach and i look out there and it's a 1-1 draw and nothing that they're doing obviously is going to give you that advantage why should have been right after the goal right right after the goal and then canada makes three subs in the 58th and then like the 63rd or 4th or something like that, 60 did. Why not with them make at least one to match them? You're playing with three new players on the pitch, and they're all Canadian, and they're really good midfielders and attacking players. Jonathan David played, uh, Tejan Buchanan came on. So, like, if you're going to match their intensity, you've got to have that same kind of energy, and none of the midfielders were providing anything. I actually thought the one person that didn't deserve to go off went off. I think Brendan out of all of them, I don't think he was as gassed as Pulisic. I think Pulisic was just gassed. I think he got to a point where he just looked awful. Um, he needed to come off. Kellen Acosta needed to come off. And that's where you put Roldan in. Like, Roldan's a firecracker. Like, he's – it might not be pretty sometimes, but he's going to do it. Like, he's going to force his hand. So, I think it, it became an issue of that. And that – like, if you think of those three things I just mentioned, that's poor coaching. Like, that's mm-hmm. – like, yes, I don't want to blame – Greg, because a lot of it has to do with these players just not creating and not having that attacking player. And that's the other thing I want to talk about is like, we don't have the guy, like we don't have a guy um, that we just turn to and go, Hey, (laughs) go get us some goals, like a Bruno Fernandez, or you're looking at like a, you know, Lukaku or somebody like that. We don't have that guy that sits there and goes, Hey, I'm going to get you some goals. Uh, Let me just figure it out. Uh, This is not that kind of team, nor do I think we ever have that talent. Like, I don't think we've ever had that talent unless you look back at the Landon Donovan days. So it's like, who do you turn to and go, get me goals. I need them now. And I think that one person, again, is off the roster. I I don't think, and I don't think he'll come over this window because I I think even if they call, um, where is he? Where did he end up? Uh, Mayo Rocco. Yeah. Or um, Mallorca. There we go. Uh, There we go. Mallorca. And like, he's, getting fit with them. He just got transferred. Uh, he just transferred over to them. So I think that that's been a thing. So I don't think you'll see Hoppy. I think DK is more of a, a, a reasonable replacement. And he just scored. Yeah. yeah. So I think, and he's back to being fit. I think you're liable to see him Wednesday. Um, maybe on the, not, not starting, but on the bench. Um, and then I don't know who else you call in. I think you, you take a look at trying to call in another midfielder, but I don't know who that would be um, because of Reina or a winger, but why not Chris Mueller? Yeah, I, I know he hasn't been great this year, but 
we need wingers bad. We need wingers bad. And uh, once Waya went down, I don't know why we didn't call anybody in. Yeah. Um, I like what I like what Doyle said. Doyle, I think it was Doyle or Goss. One of them goes, "You know who this team misses? Jordan Morris." I was like, "He'd be perfect yeah. <laughs> if he was fit." Like he Greg was- even mentioned him. He said, "You know, like." With Weah out, Morris out, and you know, uh, I think he mentioned another player that was injured out. Um, you know, they were just kind of unlucky with the wingers right now. I mean, but hurt, so you have Chris Mueller. You could call in and be a winger if you need an emergency winger, and you can't get. You know, Hoppy's not really a winger, but he he played well there in the thing. But to your point about the substitutions. Kyle Lahren scores in the 62nd minute, 65th minute. Canada says, let's go for this. They bring in Buchanan for Hoylett and Jonathan David for Kyle Lahren. And the USA says, oh, you're bringing in fresh legs? We'll wait another 15 minutes. Yeah, It's just pointless uh, to, to keep talking about it, I guess. But And then they bring in two more in the 77th before we even make subs again. So mm-hmm. it, it's they were really going for it, and they had a chance to. Um they felt like the home team. Like they yep. literally felt like the home team. That's We're what allowed- the home team does. You gun for it. Yep. yep. <laughs> you don't just. And their like- coach said after the end of the game, like, hey, we thought that one was there for the taking. Like, they we're going to try our best. Um, now, we're all bunched up at two points. Again, we can kind of reset and think, okay, get a point in El Salvador. I mean, in Honduras. Uh, we got a point in El Salvador. We got a point at home. Get a point in Honduras, finish with three, or somehow get three points in Honduras and finish with five, and you're looking at an okay window. Five points is okay. Seven points would have been good. Nine points would have been fantastic. That's kind of the way I look at it. If we end with two points, that's very pitiful. Three points is manageable at the worst. Uh, at the best way to describe it, it would be manageable. Right. Three is still not great, but right now that's what we have to hope for is, is three points. We also need to hope that Panama and Mexico tie because if Mexico wins, that's one spot pretty much taken up. No, no, like, that's I, what we want. We like, want Mexico to rip they, through all of these teams. They need I guess, to beat yeah, every single team. That's yeah, what we need. That's true. Like if we're going to have them get away, I guess we just let them get away. and Let and them get first place. We'll get out. second or third. Okay. Yeah, because then you're trying to play with fire with Mexico, and that's never fun. That's true. I didn't think of that. One thing to think of as well is I think the last three games we have um, in March is away at Costa Rica, away at Mexico. So we have two very tough ones in our last set. So if if we can mathematically eliminate, uh, mathematically qualify, for it before that last window, I will feel really good. But if we have to get points and or win at Mexico and at Costa Rica, then we're screwed already. That's where the hole you put yourself in this early. Now the next window we have Jamaica at home, Panama away, and Costa Rica at home. You can finish with nine points there. Okay, mm-hmm. Panama is probably the worst one that you'll have to face. So Costa Rica at home. We can beat them at home. They have not been good. They're at the bottom of the table right now, okay? Jamaica just lost to Panama 3-0. We mm-hmm. can beat Jamaica at home. Uh, 
Costa Rica at home, I already mentioned Panama. Okay, so that's all three. So if you were to get, at best, three points each, you're at nine points. If we draw with El Salvador, I mean, if we, I keep doing that. If we draw at Honduras, we have three points plus the nine. We'd have 12 points after six games and be averaging two points per game, which might be enough to get us, which should definitely be enough to get us to qualify. But yeah, this next stretch is crucial. Like, October's crucial. Yeah, you don't want to get, like you said, you don't want to get to those last three games and have to get six points or five points or something crazy like that because doing that against a Mexico team and Mexico, uh, near impossible. Um, and then playing Panama, like, no, they Panama, I think it's at Panama. And then, wait, which one is it? Is it Costa Rica? It, uh, this window next no, no, last what's the last, uh, last window it's at costa rica at mexico and That's then right. home panama, it's panama. yeah because we're away panama next time at least next time in october we have two home games yeah instead of the one but we'll i mean see. like we said panic meter okay jordan panic meter one through ten where do you sit sitting at a at a four okay i would say a five before Canada, before Canada, I was at a one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I would say so. I moved at three notches yeah. in one game. So I would say four if I'm thinking about the idea that we have a full strength team. I'm at a five because Dest is hurt. McKinney's got this weird thing going on with Rain is hurt. Protocols. Rain is hurt. Um, Timmy Way is hurt. Pulisic uh, out of shape, maybe. Pulisic, yeah, and not having enough to like. And that's the other thing that we need to think about too, as U.S. fans, to not panic as much. Like I know some of your panic meters are at nine or ten. I think the only reason that it shouldn't be, we have played these teams, and this is saying uh, we've played these teams okay with as many guys if we had hurt and Pulisic not being in there to train with the team. And I know they played some matches together, but like again, these teams, like because we didn't play because of COVID. Like this team has still really inexperienced playing with each other. Like they really don't. And we keep finding these gems that like, okay, Acosta played well in gold cup or miles Robinson became this great center back overnight. Um, it seems in Atlanta. So you're playing with guys that haven't really played with each other at all. And you're finding new pieces that work. While I know this isn't a great time to try to figure that out. A lot of these teams are still figuring that out. Mexico's they've played with each other forever. Um, you've got a Mexican team that's played together forever. You've got Canada who've got a nice mix of young and some of the older players. We've got a lot of really young players um, that are very, very talented, but they still haven't gotten their legs underneath them. Not to mention we're in September. Most of these guys are coming off a European off period where they've been off for a month or a month and a half. So that's also another thing that, that's come into existence. So I think you've got all these things, all these factors mixed in. And here's a team, I think in this first window, if you can get away with five points, we can wipe the sweat from our face and say, okay, thank God we got through that. Now, next window, let's get six or seven points. The only reason I'm not higher than a four, I think, is because we're at 14 games instead of 10 games this time. Right. If it was a 10-game thing, then I'd probably be at a seven or eight right, <laughs> right now. But the, the fact that we're at a four uh 14 games there's more chances for these there's more chances for these slip-ups yeah and everybody and else is like, with us i feel pretty good about facing mexico just for how well we've played them recently yeah. um though that could be that could be me being a little bit of a homer so I, I guess we'll see how it goes from there um 
but uh, no, I, 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 I'm as about as talked out about this as I can be. I think at this rate. I mean, I don't know what else to say other than we really need to make sure we get it at some sort of points on Wednesday. Um, and that's unfortunate that that's where we're at right now, but that, that's what we need. Um, I just wanted to quickly touch on the games that uh, the, the MLS games that just happened. We had, uh, you know, Nashville beat NYCFC on Friday, three to one new England beat Philly one nil, uh, just a complete reversal from last year when, uh, the union had revs number, especially at Subaru Park. Now at Subaru Park, it seems like the Revs have, have handled Philly pretty well. Portland beat Houston 2-0, and LAFC put four past SKC in a shocking result there. Uh, Vancouver beat Austin 2-1, uh, and then uh, Orlando beat Columbus 3-2. That Orlando game was wild. I was flipping. I was at my parents' house. We were flipping between Vancouver, Austin, and Orlando, Columbus. And the Orlando game, when we turned it on, was 2-0. Mm-hmm. Then we switched back to Vancouver-Austin when Orlando went into halftime. And then we come back from halftime, and it's 2-2. Right. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, geez. But, you know, we were able to see Orlando uh, win. Orlando got the, the three points. They uh, uh, Their goal scorers were uh, DK uh Vander Vader and um Urso uh Jr. Uh then we had uh the Cincinnati lose to Miami. Miami won one nil. That was a Breck Shea winning goal, as we mentioned him earlier. Uh RSL uh three Dallas two and then Colorado beating San Jose one nil. Uh so some pretty crazy results here uh where we're at in the table is new england still in first on the east with 52 points uh orlando in second with 38 points nashville in third with 38 points nycfc fourth with 34 points philly it seems like they've been stuck at 32 points for a while here uh they're in fifth six is montreal with 31 and dc in seventh with 30 columbus in eighth with 27, then Atlanta in ninth with 27, and Miami up to 10th with 26 points. They're on the verge of a playoff spot. Uh, Chicago has 23 points after 11 games. Red Bulls in 12th with 22 points. Cincinnati still at that 17 points, and then 13th, and Toronto in 14th with 15 points. If we look at the West, a little bit of a shakeup. Seattle still top, 42 points, but Colorado in second with 41 points, and guess what? They have a game in hand to Seattle. So if they win that game, they are going to take over possession of first place of the West. SKC, 40 points in third place, and they've played two more games than the Rapids and one more game than Seattle. LA Galaxy in fourth with 36 points. Minnesota in fifth with 31 points. Portland in sixth with 30 points. RSL in 7th with 30 points. Then you have Vancouver in 8th with 29. LAFC in ninth with 27. San Jose with 26 points. Dallas with 25. And then Austin and Houston both at the bottom with 19 points. 
Whew. And now coming up, we have, like we mentioned, the World Cup qualifying games that are on Wednesday. That is Canada, El Salvador at 7.30, Panama, Mexico at 8.05, and Honduras, U.S. at 10.05 on Paramount Plus and Universio. Then on Friday, Atlanta versus Orlando on FS1 and Vancouver versus Portland uh, at 10 o'clock on MLS uh, ESPN+. Plus. Then on Saturday, we have Colorado versus LA Galaxy at 3.30. That's on Twitter, TDN and Univision. Uh, Seattle versus Minnesota at 5 o'clock. New England versus NYCFC at 7 o'clock. Red Bulls versus DC at 7 o'clock. Cincinnati versus Toronto at 8. Miami and Columbus at 8. Montreal versus Nashville at 8. Dallas versus San Jose at 8.30. Houston versus Austin at 8.30 for another Dallas, I mean, another uh, Texas Derby. Kansas City versus Chicago at 8.30. All of those games are on ESPN+. And then on Sunday, LAFC versus RSL at 10.30. But yeah, so that about right. Any last thoughts, Logan, on either of your teams, the U.S. or Orlando? Uh, Orlando fighting for second because nobody's going to catch the revs. Uh, in the U.S. men's national team, while we are concerned, we still have time. Like, give us some time. If we if we lose tomorrow, uh, Jordan and I might just start. Uh, where 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 should we align next? Like Canada, I think they're the next closest thing um to us so i think like a canadian <laughs> national team or i might even jump on like england or somebody just a bandwagon yeah well you know that's why i followed germany a second that's my last <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I, I, got to, I got to see the world cup win there but yeah doesn't feel as good as the u.s uh you can follow our show on twitter at stateside show instagram at stateside show facebook.com slash stateside show or email us stateside show at gmail.com you can review us on Apple Podcasts, uh, and you can uh, – that's it. Yeah, that's all you can do. That's uh, all you're allowed to do. You can do it. That's all you're allowed to do. Uh, but, yeah, all the other places I mentioned. Um, but thanks for giving us a watch, and have a great rest of your Labor Day. Tomorrow, throwing his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on. Come on. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. Men's National Team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.